season four of the Scene on Her podcast, Rocky Bullis. How are you? Glad to be back with you, girl. I know you used to work here. We didn't have this when you worked here. Yeah, this is no, new. I, I'm like podcast room. What? <laughs> I know. So you used to work in promotions here with me. Yeah. Girl. Um. When did you? When did? When did you start? I heart. Mm, man, that's. Uh, I think right after. Uh, maybe two years after high school. I think. So probably like, 2015. I'd say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then you went to, so you were making music for how long? Like recording and releasing? Recording and releasing since 2014. Okay. And when, like, I know that you had mentioned in the past that you, you did like theater. All through high school. Yeah. And where where did you go to high school again? Searchers Valley. Okay. CV. So, so when did you start, why, or I guess, how did you start recording? Uh, I started recording my senior year of high school because I went to a talent, like, scouting event in Florida. Uh-huh. So I just remember it was, like, senior year, and it was around this time I had to go down to Florida. And it was just, like, a giant, like, talent scouting thing where you get to be in front of a bunch of managers and you know casting directors and stuff like that and that's where I met my first manager at the time and um, it wasn't until the following year where I actually um, signed with him and then he got me the opportunity to go to LA and record my first EP and that's when I got to do Girl Code with like Tommy Brown and Victoria Monet and um, and then I worked with Melanie Amaro as well because she featured on on that EP. And that's kind of how everything started professionally for me mm-hmm. because I had those, like, pretty good names, like, on my resume. And yeah. now they're even bigger. So, like, yeah. it's even, even better now. Tell me what, like, because uh, I know what my resume looks like, but that's for, like, uh, it's just, it's a totally different angle in the music industry. Like, what my, you know what I'm going, it's more of like behind the scenes. So what does a performer's resume look like? Is it mostly just like breast kits and like uh, audio files? Yeah, or? breast kits. And I mean, like, it also is about like a lot of like who you know too. Okay. Because yeah. like, I mean, obviously if you know somebody, they can get your stuff in front of somebody sure. else. Yeah. It's a lot hardy, harder when you don't know anybody. Yeah. And, um, I kind of took like a break from stuff, so I'm getting back into it and trying to make those connections like mm-hmm. again and on my own because yeah. I'm not with my manager anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm i honestly just like working on my own as an independent artist mm-hmm. and trying to get my name out there on my own, which is a thousand times harder, but yeah. I know that it will be more more rewarding if I do it on my own. So I know, I think I know what goes into managing yourself as an artist but for people that are listening that don't know what that entails describe what goes into it because it's 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 everything but it's literally everything yeah you are the one calling venues you are the one trying to like reach out to you know traveling shows that are looking for openers and stuff like that you're doing that all on your own like you are the one doing everything and you have to market yourself yeah I mean, what about the recording process? Like, are you recording right now? Um, I am getting back into it. I just released a single back in August, which was my latest one. Um, I'm not sure if I want to do more singles or if I want to do an entire project again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it kind of just depends on, like, my situation at the time because I have some things coming up. So it might be easier for me to do singles than yeah. rather than try and work it's on a, a collective 
you know, EP or album because then it's kind of a whole entirety of something instead of just like one quick thing. Like it was just one idea and like yeah. get it done. Yeah. So you left, you left iHeart. First of all, do you feel like it helped you working here? I you mean, don't have to say yeah because we're in the building. <laughs> no, I mean like I, I was, I, I'm not going to lie. I was hoping that I would get a little bit more something out of it for mm. my career. Like I definitely had an underlining like expectation to it, but then it was just very much like you're on your own with like other promo people like out at events and you don't really get to. Promo make it. ain't pretty. <laughs> it's right not now. pretty. $9 an hour <laughs> lugging like mics and, and you know, <laughs> the table and the, and yeah. the speakers. Um, nobody told me it was lug lugging work. Okay. Yeah, I thought they I don't just tell showed you up that. and tried to be pretty, like, <laughs> you know? Um, but I think, I think it definitely gave me like a more understanding on like this type of situation with like the radio stuff and how that kind of works when getting to see the studios and, yeah. and stuff of that nature. But I didn't get the networking that I was kind of hoping for out okay. of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you left, you left Pittsburgh and you were like, Kind of back and forth between Boston and Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, I still kind of am. Just okay. Because like my family's Greek, and if I'm gone for like more than two months, my mom will like die. Okay. <laughs> so tell me about Berkeley. All right. So um, I started working with some students that go to Berkeley, and they're extremely talented. Like yeah. I met a kid who um, does a lot of my guitar stuff for my covers, like on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, but he lives in LA, and he just got a publishing deal, so he didn't come back for school and I like miss him because I'm like, Aww. man, like we were doing so good with yeah. all the covers and we were about to do some original music, but he's supposed to come back in January if everything works out. Okay. Um, and then uh, I work with some other artists like songwriting stuff and I help them with that. But I took a songwriting course one, I think two summers ago at Berkeley and it was just kind of, Again, not what I expected, and I'm guessing because, like, I'm not taking the whole entirety of, you know, what Berkeley has to offer, and they kind of put multi-levels together. Mm -hmm. I just felt that I wasted a lot of money because I felt too advanced for where they were putting everybody in the beginning. You know oh, what I'm saying? okay. So, and it was a quick thing. It was only, like, a two-week thing program. Yeah. And, um... I made some connections with friends and I made like other artist friends yeah. and that was cool, but I didn't really, I got a few gems here and there, but honestly, a lot of what they were teaching I already knew. Mm -hmm. So at one point I was literally teaching a class and the teacher was just letting me go. And I was just thinking to myself, man, I paid $1,500 to teach a class. Right. Like, <laughs> I right. should be getting paid for this. I hear you. <laughs> so what are you doing in Boston right now? So right now I'm still working with the the students that go to Berkeley and stuff like that. And I'm working on my own stuff, like doing covers and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot more music opportunities for my type of music. Mm -hmm. Unlike Pittsburgh, like Pittsburgh's very rock and country and there's not a lot of versatility in that. It's just like you either do those two things and get some exposure or you don't. So. It's getting better. I will tell you that it's getting better, but it's definitely, it needs a lot of work. Yeah, so, because I do a lot of R&B pop, mm -hmm. so there was not a lot of room for me to get exposure here, and at least over there, I have way more, like, open mic things that I can do, and, you know, they have more things based around the music that mm -hmm. I do, so it helps me also network better, because I'm meeting other people to, who do what I do. Yeah. Because when I meet country or, like, rock, it, they don't really... 
they're very set in their ways pretty much like yeah. those like that type of genre and i mean unless they're willing to kind of do pop and r&b but most of the time when you meet somebody that's what they're trying to do like sure. that's their genre yeah so you don't really get that kind of connection that you're looking for what is the music community like in boston Honestly, because of like the the big school, like music school there, there's a lot of open mics. There's a lot of shows going on. There's a lot of people doing trying to do music. Yeah, so, I mean, I I go down there sometimes, like during the summer, and I'll street perform like down in Boston Common, which is like it's like a mini um, uh, Central Park. It's so I've pretty. been. I yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. So like, all right. So you know that little bridge that they have in there? Mm -hmm. Like, I'll go to that bridge and I'll. That's and I'll, awesome. And I'll do open. Do you just busk or like? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll take a friend who like plays guitar and we'll go. That's awesome. Yeah. It is fun. It is yeah. a lot of fun. I was really nervous the first couple times I did it because that's not my thing. Well, I remember uh, being in Boston Common and hearing uh, somebody performing and I couldn't see them, but it did, it made for a really nice experience. Like you're just chilling at the park. And like every corner there's somebody new. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You see. Does that make it harder for you though? Yeah. If they take the good spot. Yeah. If anybody takes the this bridge, then you're just like, oh man. We're going back to Fenway, guys. We're, we're packing up. Exactly, because you get the you get the the people that are coming from like one section to the other, and they cross through, mm. and they're all at that that intersection. So, well, so do you think it makes it more competitive if it's a bigger city, or or is it more competitive somewhere like Pittsburgh, where everyone knows everyone, and like, do you feel like it's harder to get noticed in a big city? I mean, I think it has its pros and cons. Yeah, you know, when you're from a small city then you don't have as many networking opportunities. But when you go to a bigger city, you have more competition, but you also have that more networking opportunity. Yeah. And um, you can get other opportunities from meeting people and stuff like that. So I think I think it it, it has its pros and cons depending on where you're at. I, I like Boston. I like more having more opportunities. And in a weird way, I kind of like having more competition. It makes me strive to be better. Mm -hmm. yeah so like yeah. i'm legit starting to take dance classes again because i feel like people are over there like singing and dancing playing an instrument and i'm like oh they're all triple threads yeah and i'm like i used to dance in high school but it's been six years <laughs> and uh, i need to get back to that because i am stiff <laughs> it's okay i uh is there a lot of i guess because it is a bigger city i guess are the people that are performing is the age are they starting out younger going to like are are you allowed if you're the performer to to be on stage if you're under 21 um honestly it's a, it depends on the venue on the like, if it's a club or like a bar yeah mm -hmm. um it i mean it works out for me better if it's 21 over you know cuz then they can't apply to something because mm -hmm. of the venue space but i mean there are people doing it much younger it just it just depends on the venue. Sure. If they'll let them in or not. Yeah. I remember I, so I'm a huge Lady Gaga fan. Like, I think she's one of the most amazing people ever. And I remember. Star is born, obviously. <laughs> I remember reading uh, something in a, I have like two books about her. And I remember reading something where her mom would get her into, into nightclubs that she could perform when she was like 16 or 17 and she would just like sneak her in in the back <laughs> so that nobody would give her a hard time. I think the promoters knew that she was going to be there, but she was like severely underage and performing at these these nightclubs in in like the Upper East Side of New I York. Mean, whatever way you got to do to make exactly. it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I'm just I'm wondering if, you know, I would love to know of other people that are having that experience of being I like mean, ushered honest, in the back. Like I'm not even kidding. So I never dabbled with 
a fake ID. I would, yeah. Because I've always been a goody two-shoe. You know what I'm saying? I just have bad luck, so I never have I a didn't, fake ID. And I have a baby face, so like... You do. I know. I still Me look too. Like, I still okay. think I'm 16. Um, but I never, I never got it just because I was so scared that like if a cop saw it or something, like I'd go to jail or something. I mean, and, yeah. <laughs> so I was, I never got it, but I, I legitimately thought about getting it just so that I could go and, and perform at places mm -hmm. with it, mm -hmm. like for club cafe and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I totally wanted to get a fake ID just to perform. And I asked my parents too. I was like, guys, can I just get a fake ID so I can perform at these places? And they were like. They just looked at me like I was being an idiot. But we can't sign off on this. Just do it without us knowing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I was close to—I was close enough to being twenty-one, anyways. I think I was like nineteen. At okay. The time. Yeah, close. Uh, close enough. Right? <laughs> that was our mentality in college, at least. <laughs> close enough. So, do you have any gigs coming up in Pittsburgh? Are you going to be home for the holidays? Do you have any gigs coming up? Yeah. So I have a gig on December nineteenth. Oh, okay. Um, I'm actually opening up for Ryan Haynes. Uh, he also goes by DJ Afterthought. Afterthought. Yeah. Wait, at the Thunderbird? Yeah. Dude, no way. <laughs> Wait, are you going to that? Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I will be there That's too. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. Okay, it was cool. Fu funny, I got that opportunity because I, I uh, did the I Am Pittsburgh Festival mm -hmm. and uh, that fundraiser, and I met some people through that, and then they asked me to do, to do that show. That's awesome. And I was awesome. like, yeah, sure, I'll come back for Sweet. it. Sweet. Tell me about Pride. Oh, Pride is so much fun. Okay, so I did the Pittsburgh Pride last summer, mm -hmm. and then I did the Boston Pride this summer. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to do Pittsburgh again because Pittsburgh's was was super successful, and I had so much fun. It's a, it's a party. Like, it is just one giant party, and they just make you feel so loved. Mm -hmm. And it was... It was awesome. You just step on the stage and you felt like Beyonce. Like you just felt like you could conquer anything. Awesome. Like, you looked good up there. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I wanted to do it again this year for Pittsburgh, but they weren't using any entertainers from the previous year. They wanted to give like gap space, whatever, mm -hmm. which made me look into doing the Boston Pride. And um, I did a like they do like a like I think a weekend or two prior to like the main um, like Pride Festival. Mm -hmm. Because that's when they do like the main events and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just did, I just did like this little, like a, like a little like rally type thing for the main main thing the following week weekend, and it went really well too. There was there was a bunch of people at that, and the guy who booked me for it, uh, when I got off stage, he was like, he's like, all right. Email me in January. We'll talk about main stage next year. And nice. I was like, all right, this is awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, we'll get the band together. We'll make it a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I worked my first summer working here. I worked, um, Pride was one of the first events that I was put on. And it's so much fun. And it's like, I think I saw like the, the one of the cars there. Like, and I was like, I wonder who's here. The Kiss car? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I remember distinctly though, I was like, I'm not driving that car in the parade because I've been here for like two weeks. I don't trust myself to drive. For some reason, it's very nerve wracking to drive the vehicles, yeah. the station cars, yeah. if you're not. We started around like, I think we, like I was here a little bit before you. I started um, in July of 2016. Okay. I've been yeah. here three years, three and a half okay. years. I feel like we were definitely around the same time. I just know that you came after. Mm -hmm. um, and then we always wanted to be on the same, like, <laughs> we always asked Anthony to put us on the same events. <laughs> yeah, promo is, um, is, like we were talking about before, it's not the most glamorous it's a good, it is a good stepping stone. Like it's good to have on I mean, it got you where you are now. So it, like, it did 1000%. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I did not think three years ago that I would be doing a local music podcast. Yeah, I remember when we'd have we'd have to work at a what's that place across from the PBG. Buford's? Yeah, we'd have to we'd go we'd go there and then you'd have to do the ESPN like. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I used to engineer on site for those yeah. broadcasts. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I think that just came along with like they needed someone to do the job. Exactly. And they were I think like, promo had a lot of like you had to do a lot of other things that you weren't expecting. You don't have one job here. No. Yeah. You're just yeah. kinda like wherever they need you, they put you. But I think that that is a good thing. I mean, they kinda want you to have uh several different skills totally and, and then if you can continue you're more than a promo girl yeah you know, well you're you can, well-rounded girl yeah <laughs> you can move forward and um it also helps you really appreciate what goes into it like as a jock i really appreciate the promotions assistants that are there for my remote like i know what goes into it on the cold snowy days when we have to be outside and I'm stuff just, a bus, man. Yeah, I'm all oh, stuff so a bus. Cold. Stuff a bus is amazing, though. Oh, it's so amazing. Yeah, I just it gives you a different appreciation when you have to start kind of at the bottom, and then you know if you work your way up, it's it's always nice to like. And I remember always people like Tall Kathy always helped us break down man. our equipment, and so I, I try to pay that forward and help the people that are in promotions that. Just yeah, it's a, we know we know what's up. We, we <laughs> definitely do. We definitely do. Yeah, not much has changed since. I think not much has changed since you left. Travis is still here. Okay. Yeah, Craig left. He he works for iHeart New York now. Oh wow. Yeah. See, I actually thought about working for iHeart in Boston. Okay. Um, I talked to Anthony about it, like when I first like left, but it just it didn't make sense for me to go and do promo again because I was living like. 40 minutes from the city yeah and for like the hourly it just wasn't sure it wasn't worth it i totally get that yeah i wanted to go back into it though because i enjoyed like meeting the people that work for iHeart. Mm -hmm. usually everybody's super outgoing and yeah fun. so um your your co-workers are awesome when yeah you work for iHeart, so. right yeah i was like i want to do it again but then i was like i'm not driving 40 <laughs> minutes for that <laughs> i don't yeah i don't blame you do you know like where in boston is the iheart office i suppose i could look it up but. Yeah, i honestly i have no idea because i didn't even go yeah i didn't end up having the opportunity to like do it so i was like i'm sure you could tour like if you said that you were like a former iheart employer i'm sure you could they could like <laughs> hey, show can you. you just like put me in all your studios we'll do podcasts at every city i mean thing. i'm sure you could network that way like you know what i mean yeah um what did you do at the pittsburgh iheart uh i was a promo girl. that's okay <laughs> that's a it's a crucial job <laughs> if they don't have promo they don't have anything that's true we did a lot be handing out I stand stuff. by that. I'm sure there are people that work in sales that would say otherwise, but I think promo is where it starts. Yeah. Or promo gets you to where you need to be. To be. Yeah. We're I the say. ones handing out the stuff in person. You know? Yeah. We're making them personal connections. I know. We got this prize wheel. We got, you know, we got the good stuff. I know. All the free stuff. <laughs> Everybody loves free stuff. So, like, promo is very critical. I was amazed when I started working here how, like, insignificant a prize has to be and someone will still die for it oh i know like decals a dve decal <laughs> Do you is worth more than my life many people would ask us for our our, our our shirts i know i was like like people would want to pay us for the shirt off our back and we're like <laughs> we can't this is like our legit work shirt like we need this to work well now they have dve shirts do they oh it's a hot commodity oh. the big 1047 ones are really popular too i just remember ours were like 
priceless because they weren't selling them. I know. Well, they're selling them now, and it's a probably a good idea. Uh, but. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they probably make a lot of money on it now. Um, yeah, but I, it's just, it's fun to to know you and like to see on social media all the different things that you're doing. And now you're in Boston right. part time, and yeah. it's really fun to watch. Thanks. Yeah, I'm always watching you too. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, I'm just like, I, I hate that when I come back, I. I'm only home for like maybe a week or so, maybe two. And so I have to cram in like so much stuff yeah. for the time that I'm here, right. like especially with family. Cause like if I go out every day with friends, my family's not going to have that. Of course. So it's hard trying to meet up with people when I have like so much like uh, put into one week. Yeah. So I, I, I wish I had more time to make like, or I wish I had time to see friends more often when I yeah. come home. But, um, I'm glad that we were able to finally make yeah, this podcast happen. Me even too. though we're catching up on a podcast. That's okay. Right now. <laughs> that's what, it's, it's okay. Uh, people can listen to us catch up and live vicariously through us. Yeah, I feel like we should have taken take it or taken. We should have <laughs> taken this to a uh, coffee shop. We should have took the Starbucks across the street. Yeah, we, I can have them <laughs> sponsor my podcast and <laughs> exactly. So, favorite venues in Boston? Like, I'm sure I'm going to be in Boston again at some point, and I would love to know like nice, like cool venues to check out. Um. I did a, I did an open mic at this place called Loretta's Last Call. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, I mean, House of Blues is like a oh yeah yeah. Like I feel like that's just a number one place. That's um, in Fenway, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right there. So, but so is Loretta's. It's like oh. right down the street from. Oh, okay, it. cool. Um, I don't know what else. There's a place called the Lizard Lounge. Um, can't think of any more off the top of my head. Are they yeah. in like the college areas? Yeah. Yeah. Usually they're all right there okay because everybody's everybody from the berkeley is trying to you know make mm -hmm. their rounds at all these places. what about like bc are there venues around that area um not that i can think of at the moment um just a lot of restaurants because i'd be eating it <laughs> i know there's a p of chang's right there oh all about the chains in boston <laughs> yeah i know i know if you want to eat i know where to go yeah really I remember, I forget what part of Boston this was in, but I went a couple of years ago. My dad was getting married in Maine, and so I stopped. We flew into Boston because there's no airport in New York. Um, flew into Boston, was going to drive into Maine uh, the next day, and I stopped to see my friend um, who lived, I forget what part, but she was like around the Boston College area. Mm -hmm. And um, we stopped in like these little tiny... Uh, little like cafes on like the main drag in this little town. Amazing food. Really good. Yeah. I had the best time. I was there for one night, but I had a great time. I went to the, I went to a Red Sox game. Um, and of course it was the night the Pens won the cup in 2016. And I like was checking my phone the entire game. I was like trying to be present at this baseball game with this like legendary ballpark, but also checking yeah. my phone to see what the score was of the, I mean, of the game. Pittsburgh girl at heart. You can't really take it out. Of I us. know. My friend was like, do you want to go to a bar and watch the game? And I was like, no, everyone's going to hate me here. Cause I'm a Penguins fan. So yeah, I'm probably like, just going to let, but like, like I do want to go. I'll just like cover up my shirt, like zip it up. Yeah. I wasn't even wearing black and yellow. Cause no. I didn't even, I didn't plan that far ahead when I was packing. I didn't even think to do that. But anytime the Pats and the Steelers are playing, I'll have my shirt on, but like, Make sure that it's kind of covered up. Unless we're doing really good, then I'm like, yeah! Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody get on you about it? Everybody that I've made friends with in Boston. Really? Yeah. And it's hard because you can't really... 
Like it just really sucks because the season is uh, oh, very we hard to debate. I can't okay? talk. Yeah. Well, I remember when I first I went to school in Cleveland, and I remember one of the first things I hung up in my freshman dorm was my terrible towel, mm-hmm. and I left my door open just to like piss off all the Browns people that I was inevitably going to be around. There's actually a lot of Pittsburgh people at the school that I went to, so it like didn't really matter. But I thought I was like hot stuff, putting like a controversial towel, right? sports towel up on the on the wall and, like, and i like love that. like i love like talking with other people and about sports and stuff but then there's not much to say right now so i've been very silent true because i'll be looking like a fool <laughs> <laughs> like man i just feel so bad we have like none of our starters like it's oh just- like i genuinely don't want to talk about the Steelers. we talk about it so much in this building uh, i'm so tired of it's it it's stressful like watching the games is stressful yeah do you watch them at bars in boston not really. I usually stay home and watch those. How often are you in? How like, much do you split your time? Because I know you were home recently for like a few weeks and then you went yeah. back. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, how often do I come home? Or, yeah. um, I'd probably say like every two months. Okay. That's, that's a good amount of time still. Like, like right now, though, because of the holidays, like I've been home like yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. Because I can't, I'm coming for. Th- I came home for Thanksgiving. I'm literally going to go back for two weeks and then come back because I have that show on the 19th and then mm-hmm. stay for Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. So, but um, after that, I probably won't come. I probably won't come back for a little bit just because I, I, I need to focus on some stuff and like stay yeah. in one spot. Yeah. Um, for a little bit. Yeah. And we totally don't have to talk about this if you don't want to. But I know that you just recently went through oh, no, yeah. a procedure. Yeah, no, that's fine. I don't okay. care. I, I'm fine with talking about that because I feel like not a lot of women talk about and it. And you post about it on social media, and I'm, I'm grateful that you do because it's a really important um, procedure. But you had breast reduction surgery. Yeah, I did. When was that again? On September 30th. Now you're feeling better? Oh, I'm feeling wonderful now. How did that impact? Well, I'm sure it impacted your everyday life, but as a performer, did that Well, that was a lot of the reason, like... It, that I was really looking to do it as well. Like besides the back pain, the neck pain, I just knew that it would help me as a performer, um, not having to carry so much weight around. Yeah. Um, because like just running was a task. So jumping was it like terrible. Um, so like doing certain things was just not, not a good situation. Yeah. Um, but whenever I posted about getting it, I was so surprised at how many people I knew who had also gotten it done, but had no idea because they didn't talk about it publicly. Mm-hmm. Like I had so many messages, so many like DMs, so many like comments, and I'm just like, nobody ever talked about it. I would have loved to have been able to like reach out and ask questions um, about how how the procedure went, how you know the recovery time was, and like what I should do to prepare. Yeah, but it was just it, and there was people asking me like, oh, like you know when it gets when you when you have it done like please let me know like how it goes because I'm thinking about getting it done. And I just feel like people, I don't know why, but I feel like women who are getting a breast reduction are super embarrassed about it, which is like, I don't understand why it's an embarrassing topic, but it's like, it's a health issue thing. Yeah, I think it's because it can be so sexualized that yeah. that's why it can be embarrassing. But no, that's, I have heard stories of how incredibly painful it can be before the procedure and if it's going to improve your quality of life like now being like two months post-op it it's not it honestly is like nothing compared to like having to deal with that like what i was dealing with before well good you know i remember you posted that you 
had it scheduled for like, I think last year or like oh, yeah. early in the win like early in 2019 or something, I could be wrong. And then you decided like you had a feeling about this one doctor. Oh yeah. Okay. So I had, I went to my first consultation and already being like super shy with my body and everything like that. I, my first doctor that I had, I had met with wasn't very, um, how do I put this? He wasn't very like professional in my eyes because mm. I get that, you know, um, these doctors do this every single day and they're looking at women's like breasts every single day. Yeah. Um, but just the fact that like, you know, you are handling a new patient, right? You have to be considerate of the fact that, you know, they might be shy. They might be very uncomfortable. It, they might be totally scared to even be there in the first place. Sure. Um, I just think he didn't handle that the right way. Okay. Especially because I was like one of those patients. Um, and I just remember like getting into the car after and telling my mom, like, I don't think I should do this. Like, I, 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 maybe I'll just deal with it. Like, I don't need to get yeah. this done. Um, and she was like, she's like, well, you know, we can look into other doctors because, you know, if you don't feel comfortable, like you can't, I mean, go under exactly. with a doctor that you don't trust. Exactly. So that's essentially what we did. Um, and then it wasn't until I posted about that. And then I started getting the messages from other people who then I realized, you know, I could go to doctors from word of mouth. And that's what was very helpful because I didn't even know my one cousin had a breast reduction. Wow. Yeah. And she reached out to me and she's like, oh, like you should go to, his name was Dr. Heil, but uh, she's like, you should go to Dr. Heil. Like he did my breast reduction. Um, she's also in musical theater. So like nice. it was, we had a lot of like similarities yeah. for why we had to get it done and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and she was like, yeah, he was wonderful. He was super professional. Like, I'm super happy with everything and how it ended up. Um, you should go and like have a consultation with him. So I did. I love the guy. He was super professional. Good. I loved him. The people who worked in his office were great. And that's kind of how that happened. It just took so long mm-hmm. um, trying to get insurance to cover it. Yeah. Because too many women were using it for cosmetic reasons mm-hmm. and not for medical reasons. And so I had to provide a lot of um, information to prove my point of the fact that, like, it is a medical necessity mm-hmm, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, having to go to con- uh, chiropractors and physical therapy and everything like that. I literally had to list everything under the sun. And then they still wouldn't cover it because they had, like, a one-type-fits-all situation. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so unfair because, yeah, I didn't have, you know, double G or double H breast but like they were too big for my frame I'm only 5'3 and I had like and I had heavy breasts so like I was having a hard time doing everyday normal activities yeah and um and I and like I fought them for 10 months I think Mm -hmm. 10 or 10 or 11 months I had to fight them on it Mm -hmm. um and to the point where they they still denied me and then I had to take them to a third-party reviewer and they sided with me because I had all the information saying I've done everything prior to needing a surgery um and I'm still having these problems and I've had doctors recommend recommending that I get one as well so they sided with me saying like telling my insurance like you have to pay for it now yeah all right you know? well, good. <laughs> so that's pretty much how that happened and i was like thank the lord because i did everything under the sun and i waited this long they should pay for it at this point well i'm glad that you were able to have the procedure and that it was with someone that you trusted yeah. and that is helping i mean have you performed since the surgery um no because i wasn't allowed like i'm just 
now starting to get back into physical um, activities. Okay. I wasn't allowed to like really do anything for uh, six weeks. That's that's uh, yeah. I guess that's hasn't been that long. Yeah. So I I literally just today met my two month mark. So okay. I'm eight weeks out now. Congratulations. Today. Thank you. Um. So I literally just started going to the gym, and my God, it was it's been hard. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've lost a little bit of a little bit of muscle. Oh sometime. my God. Like my arms. Like I hate. I hate my arms right now. Like, I can't even lift they're, up 10 pounds right now. It's, like, terrible. They're just not where you want them to be right now. Exactly. They'll get there. Exactly. No, I'm glad that you opened up about that situation. And I, I feel like a lot of women's health issues aren't that, uh, it's getting better, but aren't as public. Yeah. Um, they're more public now than they were in the past. But I have endometriosis, and mm. I had an ovarian cyst removed last March. Wow. Like, I wasn't even able. Like, there were so many... Um, like stage announcements where I was just like dripping sweat because like I was in so much pain and I was trying to like, mm. I didn't know like how to talk about it because it was an uncomfortable thing. It's very personal. Yeah. And like, you know, I didn't know how to tell someone that my reproductive organs are kind of a mess right yeah. now. Like I didn't really know how to say that. Um, yeah. And I had the, I had similar fears um, in terms of talking about it because it's so I feel personal. like it's a lot like, it's a lot harder to talk about when not like, especially with like males, like listening. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like things that are happening with a girl's body. It makes it so much more uncomfortable to talk about, but there's yeah. so many girls who need to hear it. Exactly. And I, um, you know, I'm very open about my birth control and the fact that it's like a necessity for me after my surgery. And the, I don't talk about it as often as I maybe like, want to um but whenever i do i get a lot of positive feedback exactly yeah and it's kind of like i should probably be a little more per like that's what i'm saying like this. i was super i was super shocked with with the way people reacted to me talking about it right and i was like wow not a lot of girls know or like that they, they jump into it alone you know yeah and i was like all i have to do is talk about it all I have to do is tell them how it went for me yeah. or tell them that I'm getting it done and then they can private message me and we right. can talk about it till like my face turns blue. Exactly. Like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The stigma definitely needs to go away concerning women's health. I mean, like it's just, it's, it's health, you yeah. know, it's. And I, and, 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 and you know, what's even funny is my mom even mentioned to me, she's like, why, why would you put that on social media? Like, mm. that's a personal thing. I'm like, mom, it's a physical change. Like, People will notice like, <laughs> like it's also your choice. Exactly. You know? So I told her I was, and then once I kind of explained it to her and I told her like all the positive feedback, then she was like way more okay with it. Well, yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that a lot of women are like kind of counting on that experience and like kind of looking up to you as someone like, Oh, Rocky had it done and she feels safe enough to talk about it. Maybe I can get this done for yeah. myself too. Yeah, because yeah. I was I was so nervous. Like that was th this was my first surgery, so wow, it's a big surgery. Terrified, Ab like the whole time. Like I don't even care. If, who knows? Because I cried the whole time. Oh, I'm I was in the, I was in the ER. I was in a pre op, 
bawling my eyes out. And the one nurse came in. She was like, you ready for the, for the, for the drugs yet? I was like, hook it up. I'm a mess. Oh my, hook it up. I, I wish I was lucky enough to get the drugs because I was not, because I was one of, I was the first surgery of the day. I had to be there at five 30 in the morning. They didn't put, they had, they put you under like, no, they put me under oh for God. the surgery, yeah, yeah. but they couldn't give me anything for my nerves because my doctor wasn't there yet. So they're not allowed to give you anything until he okays it. But oh he didn't yeah. get there until seven and I'm just there like, <laughs> oh, trust me. I was, I was crying for hours. They only put me under right before I went back to the ER or to the operating room but but usually they give you something for like people who are very like anxious and like I didn't get anything no I just <sighs> cried a lot oh, and cried. asked my um anesthesiologist a lot of questions a I lot pulled of out questions my phone yeah. and I swear to god like the p like the PAs were like oh man we're gonna have to deal with this yeah that like, was me too like I had like my notes like bop 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 I'm like and he like instead of me asking he's like let me just see the phone and I'll just well that's that's cool yeah he took my phone and he was like he was reading them and he was just answering them yeah like he just figured i knew what i wrote yeah down yeah and yeah. i was like okay this is what i'm i like this yeah <laughs> no i totally i was the same way i was really nervous the night before um that was my first surgery too and is that considered routine was your procedure considered routine surgery i'm not really sure like for what like <clears throat> like is that a routine procedure breast reduction um I'm not sure. I think that's just I, oh, like you mean like how often is it getting done? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's getting done all the time. Okay. Like because they they were looking at me as if like like they just walked in there. They do this every day. They were so just not even phased by anything. And I'm over here bawling my eyes out, like freaking out. Well, that's the thing is like it's not routine for us, you know. Like this is like a, a milestone in our lives getting this yeah. type of surgery that's going to change the way we live exactly. from now on, you know. But I, yeah, I'm glad that you felt well taken care of. And I definitely felt the same with my, with my surgery. And I'm really glad you talked about it because, and I also had no idea that you were in so much pain. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, is like it, certain things, like, especially like, and I have degenerative disc disease as well. So like on top of it, the pressure from my chest down, cause I have it in my low back. Sure. Like it's all kind of t working together to hurt me you know what i'm saying so i'm like okay i can't really fix anything with the disc thing yeah i'm really not trying to have a back surgery breast like reduction seemed a way better choice for sure i've heard nothing but terrible things about back surgery i know and my grandma had a back surgery so i was not trying Oof. to deal with that well i'm glad you're feeling better thank you and i'm looking forward to seeing you perform thunderbird yeah i know i'm so happy that you told me you're going yeah december 19th <laughs> yeah okay december 19th so where can people find your music find you on social media before the show um you can find me at rocky official on everything and it's rocky with an i mm -hmm. i gotta keep it simple right you know <laughs> I, I at one point when i first started out like all my accounts were like different handles and then you just realize as an artist you can't do that right That's like definitely <laughs> makes it way too hard for somebody to find you same as a radio jock exactly you have to have just simple just one thing exactly yeah so rocky official and then your music um, so my music is on every streaming platform, um, Spotify, you know, iTunes, um, SoundCloud, yeah, everything, everything, it's on everything. Uh, but my latest three singles yes. are only on my my Facebook artist page because um, <clears throat> I had a situation where my producers hard drives were stolen so oh. i no longer had these stems to the audio tracks and i wasn't able to get them mixed and mastered yeah so i only had them from like the email sessions like he would email me after the session mm -hmm. and but the levels weren't all 
all there that I needed them to be to put them on, you know, professional sites like yeah. Spotify and iTunes. Yeah. So I just put them on Facebook because they're still really good songs and yeah. I didn't want to lose them. And are are your music videos on your Facebook account as well? Um. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. And on my YouTube too. But yeah, I was gonna say your I have YouTube more of a following on my Facebook. So all right. It's easier to share there. I'm really glad we got to do this. Thank you so much for coming back to the old stomping grounds. I know, right? And I'll see you on the 19th. Hell yeah. (laughs) Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.